0: This has been so nice. I think this is more that we've talked more about our bisexuality and our relationship than with most people, besides yeah. therapy. This yeah. Is, <laughs> this is more talking about it than we ever get to. And this was really nice. Yeah.
1: Happy New Year, my buys and allies, and welcome back to another episode of Bisexual Behavior. I'm your host, Talia Cass, and I'm super excited to share my first interview I had with a couple. They are by for bi. We talk all about visibility and understanding privilege within a heterosexual relationship. I think this is super relatable for a lot of people, and I really hope that you all enjoy it. We also talk a lot about the friends to lovers pipeline. I won't give away too much, but they were friends for a very long time before they started dating and kind of came out together throughout their journey of understanding their bisexuality. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. This year wouldn't be possible without you. I actually started this podcast concept right when 2022 began, and it's been such a fun ride. I want to thank all of my friends and family, all the people I've interviewed, everyone who supported and listened to this podcast. Really, you've made this such a fun and wild experience, so thank you. And without further ado, here's Frank and Lee. Hi. Welcome to Bisexual Behavior. Welcome to my closet. I I didn't mention this earlier, but I recorded my closet, so I had to put up a flag to make it look a little legit, so. Amazing. (laughs) There's probably been a lot of jokes about you coming out of the closet, but now you're recording in the closet, and- Exactly. In the closet physically right now, but uh, emotionally fully out, so. Exactly. But um, thank you for joining. Um, as I mentioned before, you're the first couple I've interviewed together, and you're both bisexual, which is like my favorite thing ever. I feel like it's the most beautiful uh, relationship just between two bi people. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But um for the listeners, uh, I actually met Frank, oh gosh, it was like eight years ago. We worked together Amanda. very briefly at like a PR firm, and we both still work in communications, but um, I was a wee intern at that time. But um, I have a little bit of an anecdote for you that I I don't think you'll remember this. This is like, I don't remember a lot from my experience working there, but I do remember this. And, um, <laughs> I don't remember what <laughs> you're like, what, what is she going to bring up? Jesus. Um,
2: yeah. Over. <laughs> this is why I was invited.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I'm actually, I've been like waiting to mention this to you, but um, right. so I don't know what we were talking about, but you were like, Oh, do you date women? And I was like, uh no uh and then like i was just like oh wait what, what did i say that made him think of that and i'm like i must have said something really objectively gay but i have no idea what triggered you to say that and then i've internalized it ever since because i was like that's so bold too, I, saw... <laughs> like... I can't
2: believe i
1: did that i must have said something extremely gay like that's the only thing i can think of but um As I was coming out I kept thinking back to that and was just like he saw it he knew I was gay and then I saw that you were posting some gay stuff on like Twitter and LinkedIn and I was like oh he must have seen it because he he's also queer and I feel like even before like you're out or whatever you just kind of like catch that queerness in someone and I just thought that was the perfect example.
2: It is I think that's quintessential (laughs) to our experience too of Mm -hmm. uh hiding and, and not hiding and, and sort of like this like tap dance of figuring yourself out and feeling like, afraid that other people understand you better mm-hmm. than you understand you. Yep.
0: And like yeah. peeking your head out of the closet and like other people see you peeking out. And
1: like, and like queer attracts queer.
2: I'm sorry, yes. I, I feel like I owe an apology for this this torment. <laughs> Of the past decade, so
1: don't apologize. I I think I was like I I don't even remember what I thought about it at the time, other than just like oh that that's interesting he asked that. But then I think I also in the back of my head I was like oh but they are hot. Maybe I will date a woman. Yeah. So I I think in like in the back of my head I was like oh but I am a little gay. So
2: so well, here yeah. we are,
1: um, full circle. Now now you're here on my bisexual podcast. So you yes. were right. Uh, you you were right. So
2: <laughs> we so, were both right.
1: Yes. <laughs> So why don't we just dive into introductions now that we've got that uh, fun anecdote out of the way. <laughs> I'll start just so you can get the format. My name is Talia. My pronouns are she, her. I am bisexual. I'm cis. Um, also could go by pansexual, queer, you know, all of those labels fit for me. So
2: what about y'all? Oh, I guess I'll go first. Uh, my <laughs> name is Frank Sinato. Uh, I use masculine pronouns, uh, cisgender, gender and uh, I'm bisexual, um, I'm comfortable with pansexual and queer. Um, I generally don't describe myself as gay um, because I think that to, to a lot of people, even though it's used as an umbrella term, I think by us, a lot of people still ascribe that to homosexuality. And I think I'm very aware of bi erasure at this point <laughs> mm-hmm. and being sort of like erased. And, but um, yeah, that's, that's me. Lee.
0: I'm Lee. (laughs) I am bisexual. I prefer she and her pronouns, and I'm cis. Um, I'm not fully out, um, but I would be open to
1: pansexual, um,
0: but generally identify as bisexual. That's
1: great. So is there any reason why you kind of gravitated toward the bisexual label?
0: Probably something I feel like it maybe resonates with you too, is that Mm -hmm. I feel like I've only tried women and men. And mm-hmm. because I haven't actively tried outside of, you know, those two genders, um, I don't identify as pansexual. And the reason I say that I'm open to it is
1: mm-hmm. that I'm open to experiences and to people. So Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like yeah. bi is more of like an umbrella term to me for queerness in a way. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think growing up I I had heard bisexual and I hadn't heard pan until probably college. And so it was just a lot easier to sort of be like, well, I understand this, I get this, and this sort of describes me. Mm -hmm. And it took me longer to sort of read about and understand like sort of the academic writing of like, pansexual is this, and uh, it fits. But um, Mm -hmm. I think in introducing myself to people, like they pick up bisexual easier. It has more of like a legacy in terms of like culture. Oh, for um, sure. It's more accessible.
1: Yeah. And I feel like it. sexuality ebbs and flows and I just feel like being able to kind of some days be like, no, I feel bisexual and other days. I'm like, oh, that's like, I guess that's pretty pansexual. You know, it's, it's sexuality changes and I think it's okay to use different labels and um, even not use a label if you don't want to. So um, I For was sure. just curious, but Frank, you made a really good point about not um, identifying as using the word gay, um, which I think a lot of times people use gay as like an umbrella term as well. But you mentioned that you feel like it, there's a lot of um, bi erasure that happens in when somebody says, Oh, I'm gay, but doesn't use bisexual. It's kind of erasing that crucial part of your identity. So I thought that was an interesting point that you mentioned. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I am dying to know um, what is your most bisexual behavior? This is my go-to standard question. Got to Got to know.
0: Mm. <laughs>
1: That's a, so interesting. I will
0: respond to like this in a couple. One of the things that we do (laughs) between men and women is say, Mm -hmm. oh, do you find that person attractive? And kind of what's your type and sort of exploring that piece of it between each other. Because I I think that we recognize in our couple that we're not just attracted to each other. Um, Mm -hmm. We're also attracted to other people. And that we started as friends. We were friends for 10 years before we got together. And that was something as friends. And now as a couple, because we have that friendship as a foundation, um, it makes it, it it is kind of fun to do that. I feel like that's the most, I don't know. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I guess I I think more like, um, I don't know. I guess I think of like, uh, feel this just more like a feeling more than a behavior, but not feeling sort of like queer enough for queer spaces sometimes, Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. not feeling like straight enough or like, I don't know, like a Super Bowl party or something like, you know, uh, yeah, I like that answer, honestly. And I actually
0: like your answer too, though, because it, because we're choosing to be in a heterosexual relationship, being out as bi feels a little as if, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but we have a lot of friends who are queer and we see yeah. the struggles that they have. And because we're choosing to be in a heterosexual relationship, we naturally don't face a lot of that. And there's still, we do still face right, some of that, yeah. especially with our families, but I think it, it almost feels like, you know, it, it's hard to wear these colors when I know that we're not having to come out as much as our queer friends. Um, yeah. every time, you know, they talk to someone or meet someone new. So yeah. that, I think that's a piece that feels maybe the, the least bisexual part of ourselves or the part that we feel a little, I don't know,
1: But it's almost the most bisexual because so many bisexuals face that when they do choose to have like that more heterosexual straight passing relationship is that, yes, Mm -hmm. you have to acknowledge that, you know, there are a lot of privileges that you have in a straight passing relationship, but also at the end of the day, there's still queerness that's a part of you that's a part of your personality and identity outside of who you're dating, and that can feel kind of lost. So it's like an interesting balance. And um, it's so funny watching you both talk about that. Like, first of all, you're such a couple, like so supportive. Like, oh, that's such a great answer. No, your answer was great. <laughs> Just... <laughs> such a cute couple over here. Too. Um <laughs> What's wrong with me. Yeah. But I'm also so... at the end of the day, like you're right. Like people you're still attracted to other people when you're in a very committed relationship, um whether that's monogamous or polyamorous, like there's still going to be attractions to other people whether you're, you know, going to pursue that or not. And it's like kind of fun but when you're both queer, at least one of you is queer to be like that girl's really hot and like kind of like talk about those types of things and be open about it. So it's Absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's hard when you're um queer and in like a relationship and the other person kind of doesn't let you talk about those, you know, attractions or, you know, feelings for other people, so. And is I I feel like one of the things that I've experienced in my past relationships is
0: being threatened by my bi-ness and right. feeling that because I was bi, it was more likely that I was going to step out of the relationship. And that mm-hmm. wasn't with all of my exes. I, I did have a few that were very supportive, but I also had several that really Put a kibosh to my bi-ness and who I really didn't feel comfortable being fully out with. So that that's been my experience. I know. Do you, I feel like Talia, you say that you're in a, a bi relationship too. Is that what well. I'm? <laughs>
1: um so i'm kind of in like a new thing right now but it is with a straight man so that's been he's uh he's been like kind of helping with the podcast too so he's a very supportive Mm -hmm. person overall but it's somebody that i've been friends with for a while so is he here (laughs) no he's not (laughs) bring him in bring him into my closet no he's not here currently but um I am, like, a very queer person. Like, I love queer pop culture. I'm, like, always talking about queer things. Like, that's a big part of, like, my personality in general. Like, people in the office make fun of me. Like, your personality is being bisexual. But when I'm, you know, dating a man, like, does that go away? Is that still part of who I am? Am I fake? You know? So it's, like, these things, even though I'm, like, a proud bisexual person, these things still go in my head. So I feel like when you've been in a long-term committed relationship and have known each other so long, you must have those same feelings so could you talk a little bit about like those types of challenges you face as um, like a hetero passing couple one of the more difficult things in our
0: relationship is not between each other but I think in facing the outside world is Frank is very out and very mm-hmm. confident and comfortable with being out with my family I am not fully out my parents don't know that I'm bisexual Um, I did come out to my mother at one point and that didn't go very well. So one thing with, I grew up in rural upstate New York, and there isn't really an understanding that bisexuality can exist. So Frank dated uh, a man previously and was in a long-term relationship with him. And my family knew about it because I was friends with him, uh, Frank, for a long time. And it's hard for... You know, family or extended family to really accept that Frank is bisexual and he's not gay, he's not choosing one or the other. So that dichotomy, I do recognize it is really hard to understand unless you have those feelings. Mm-hmm. But there's only a certain amount of patience that I have with the not understanding that yeah. we can both be bisexual and still choose to be with each other. Right. But I... I hundred percent hear what you're saying about if I'm with a straight man, does that where does my bisex go in that situation? Especially if we're monogamous, and it is really confusing, and yes. it it almost feels I I've, I know that I have felt some shame in in those relationships and having having felt like I was picking the easy way out, and yeah. and I was like you know dating this person to pick the easy way out. And then I, in my head, I was telling myself, I know that's not fair to myself, but you still have those internal conversations and it's really frustrating to,
1: yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. And I think that like, it's not the easy way out, but it tends to happen easier in a way because um, there are less, you know, other queer women when it comes to dating. I mean, like I had been on dating apps and on and off kind of talking to different women or dating someone, but nothing that panned out and all of it, like it was long distance or this person was unavailable or, you know, so it's, it's really hard to meet other queer people when you're in a small city or in a rural area, as you mentioned. So I think that naturally a lot of bi women end up with men just because of the fact that there's more availability and it just kind of happens that way so then you right. get the stereotype well bi women are always end up with men or they're not actually gay so it's like this this right. whole thing yeah mm-hmm. so it can be really challenging a lot of what you're saying really resonated with me but lee you were mentioning that you know you aren't fully out um, and that's got to be really challenging, I can imagine. But what has your journey been like, kind of coming out to yourself? Like, how long have you known that you, you're bi? Oof.
0: Well, I had some inklings when I was a teenager, because I had oh. crushes on female friends. Of uh, of course. I was course. Uh, very interested in women, felt that they were very attractive. And going to college, I realized that not everyone feels that women are super attractive Mm -hmm. and that men are super attractive. And that was a realization that, Oh, so I do have feelings and I certainly can have feelings for the woman and have had uh, relationships with women. And the, the process has been slow. I think I was in a relationship for three years with a a man who didn't accept my finest. And that was before Frank and I got together. And that was very much during some formative years of my life. So I I felt like I didn't really get to lean into the binus, and I didn't really come out to anyone. And then this summer, uh, I've been much more open with my sisters, with my binus, and they've been much more accepting about it. But there was an instance that we were with some extended family and I was sort of outed to them. And in that instance, it it wasn't by choice that I was outed to them, Mm -hmm. but I had a panic attack. And it felt, so I I feel like I'm, this was only a few months ago. I feel like I'm very much in the middle of getting comfortable with this. And I think there's just a lot of fear because I have a lot of (laughs) extended family um, in rural areas that aren't, I don't want to say that they wouldn't be accepting, but there's this fear that they wouldn't be. And I feel like I'm very much in the middle of sort of coming out. And Frank has really, helped me being so much more confident and Frank being out, especially being on this podcast, I was nervous, but at the same time being with a partner who I really admire that in, in him and it's helped me to be out. Um, but it's a journey. It's Frank is very out. I'm, I'm on on my way. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Well, you're making progress. You're here. So that's all that matters. You're getting there. (laughs) Uh, mm -hmm.
0: But it's is—it's a journey. And I I remember at one point when I was a freshman in college, I had spoken with my mom about the fact that I felt that I was bisexual. Mm -hmm. And she told me, it's just a trend. Don't tell your father. (laughs) And I realized after maybe 10 years that I think it was her that has the issue with it. I don't think my father would. So I, I haven't approached the topic since and because I never brought any, any boyfriends or girlfriends home, it was never a topic. Mm-hmm. There was a running joke in my family that I was a lesbian and oh, wow. okay. situated by some extended family. And that was because I never brought any of my significant others home. So I, I feel like that part of my life, I'm kind of okay keeping from them. But within my friend groups, I'm very out and open because I feel like we were talking about how sort of queer attracts queer and, and you attract mm-hmm. people who are open and allow you to be open. And those friends who have become family are a safe place for us to talk about it. So
1: Good. And I think it's so important for everyone to find a safe sp- a space to be queer and be open and be out. But it's it's so challenging when your family isn't supportive. And I'm so sorry that you're experiencing that. But I think a lot of um, us or, you know, queer people, people who are listening are kind of in the same boat or have similar challenges with their families. So, but Frank, what about you? What is your uh, coming out journey like?
2: Oh, man. Uh Well. <laughs> <laughs> Big question. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like I've been like different from the jump. Like, so as a little kid, I like, man, I just sucked at sports. Like forever. <laughs> Same, same. It's bad. I was, like, you know, on the t-ball field, like, playing in the dirt and, like, not, um, (laughs) like, drawing pictures and stuff. And I guess I'm told that, like, I saw Mikhail Baryshnikov on Sesame Street and was, like, I want to do that. And my parents were, like, what? So, like, it was a couple years, I think, of still doing, like, sports and stuff. But I I was maintained that I wanted to, to dance. So I was a ballet dancer for a very long time.
0: Oh wow.
2: Like, well, I guess when I say very long time, I mean like probably second grade through the beginning of high school. Mm -hmm. And I think doing that, there's a lot of like kids that like once they find out what that is, because, you know, kids, but like, you know, you get to like what fourth grade or something and people start calling you gay. Um, People start like saying things, but I sort of like I think developmentally, I didn't really like feel urges for a while. Like I wasn't like mm-hmm. really romantically interested in like, I don't know. I, I So it, it was weird. And then like, you know, you hit puberty and everything. Yeah, and I did, explodes.
1: well, yeah. <laughs> I know, it really does. Um. And I had
2: some like, really intense crushes. Um, they were all on women, but there there were some like homosexual attractions uh, for lack of a better word. Um, and it was weird it was sort of like something that i kind of rationalized like well every straight guy feels this way um you know and then classic
0: it's so very yeah, so <laughs> classic. um and
2: then <laughs> and uh yeah that i think that sort of like it, that yearning kind of builds in you and like at the same time like you're you know I, i'm not i didn't like change fundamentally as a person there are still people who are like you're gay, you just don't know it yet. You need to just have sex with a man. And then you'll like, so that people say all these like things to you and it's mm-hmm. kind of wild that they think it's okay to like just say that to someone, but.
1: <laughs> that's a people... good point actually, because I feel like with bisexual men, they're like, you're gay and you're fooling yourself. And with women, they're like, you're you're straight and just like ha- having fun or going through a phase. Right.
2: And so... that's patriarchy. And at the end of the day, that's... it's all like. hundred percent. Men are sexually valuable. And that's the the top of the food chain. And that was very much my experience. Like people telling me you're gay. So like there was this hurdle of, I have these attractions, but I also don't want other people to be right about me. This, like, I'm, I'm doing this because I choose to, (laughs) you know? Uh, I think there was that hurdle to overcome. I think that, uh, oh man, well, I lived at home for a really long time. So there was sort of like doing this sort of on the low without like bringing my family into it because i'm not trying to bring like you know first dates home (laughs) right (laughs) Um, no so like there were a lot of layers but i came out sort of in my mid-20s um by that time I, i sort of had a few sexual experiences and i i knew that like not only i think there's attraction there's like what you masturbate to for lack of a better word um but there's, there's also just a, like a yearning for intimacy that we all have. And I knew that I was open to sharing that intimacy with a male partner um, mm-hmm. and not just with a female partner. And I didn't want to limit myself. I, th- mm-hmm. I felt like that would be, like the if the goal is to be straight and sort of deny this urge of mine, this like half of me, the most tragic thing, is to be victorious in quelling that, um, and not exploring and not getting that intimacy in your life because you were so afraid of, um, being othered. So yeah, I came out to my family. I think after years of sort of like defending me when kids would pick on me and call me gay and stuff, I think they, they did feel a little like they'd been left in the dark and like, maybe they'd been lied to. And that like, they were sort of like, do you have a boyfriend right now? And like what, you know, um,
1: are you attracted to me? It's like, right. Yeah. So all <laughs> relax. Of
2: like invasive, but also like, kind of like, I sort of get where they're coming from, but it's also, they're like very weird questions that like, mm-hmm. if you just think about it for two seconds, I'm not a fundamentally different person, but like, I sort of am, <laughs> <laughs> you know, only uh, more yourself. Yeah. You get yeah. to be a little more yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great way of putting it. I, mm-hmm. I, it felt very like cliche to hear it gets better, but, hundred percent, it gets better.
0: It really and does. Like
2: we've said, like you come out and people reach out to support you immediately. At least in my, in my experience, there were people that reached out immediately and yeah, you sort of find that at least in my experience, the people that I were friends with were people that were safe for me. Um, mm-hmm. there weren't people who were like, you know, we're not friends anymore. You, you know, um, i think there was always sort of an understanding and we were friends i remember telling you right at a diner after zumba oh
0: we went to zumba yes oh I, okay it was in the I morning big announcement before work and he says i have to tell you something <laughs> he was the, the only man in the class too in these like beautiful leggings that just showed off his balls He's like, oh excellent <laughs> <laughs> well, i think it's so bisexual i don't know <laughs>
2: going to the zoom class and types. Yeah, that was me.
0: And you just was, And that was really it, it was really nice to talk about that. It was yeah. funny because we had maybe 8 years before had a conversation as friends where I said, you know, I would be really interested in women romantically and sexually and Frank said, I think I would be interested in men the same way. And then we oh, never talked about it. Never talked oh. about
2: it again.
1: About it again. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought, oh, like- maybe that would start a whole thing. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs>
2: I think we were like drinking and it just it like didn't come up again and we just let it and then, yeah, I remember coming out to you and you were kind of like, "We've talked about this before."
0: <laughs> it was really exciting, but we yeah we had had a conversation and I said
1: that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Always, like
1: reaffirming when somebody's like, "Yeah, yeah, that actually I kind of knew," and you're like, "Oh, okay, sweet." Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. I wish I knew.
1: Right, right. You know, it takes time. But at what point did you... So you started out as friends, and you've been friends for 10 years, you said. At what point did your relationship become what it is now? Just yesterday. No. Well, <laughs> no. I'm really on this, like, new relationship train. I feel like I'm part of the relationship now. Yeah. <laughs> we
0: kind of... Well, so we were friends for a long time. Long time. And... I always knew I was in college. I was very promiscuous in college. My parents joked that I majored in sex. Uh, <laughs> part of that was because I, I didn't said that. studied the female orgasm as one of my honors theses. Oh, you did. Yeah.
1: Wait, that's but amazing! I was in the vagina monologues, and <laughs> I was just I in the vagina monologues. They're yeah. amazing. <laughs> it's great. It's <laughs> oh my god. That's
2: also time time out. But that's when I met Lee's mom. I was sitting oh. next to her. At the vagina monologues, and it was an interesting way to meet someone. That, that would become was the time a I to the
0: monologue, mom. and I was had the triple orgasm on the stage.
1: <laughs> oh wait, which one is which monologue is that? I feel like I remember that she was like moaning on the stage, and it was like the most this amazing thing.
0: Sex worker, yes. yes. So I wore just lingerie on stage. I had to have a shot or two of tequila before I got out there in front of my mother. But she was always very so supportive coming to every monologue show. Yeah.
2: I had a crush on her and was like, Yeah, I'll come to the show. Like, I'd love to. And I end up sitting right next to her mom and this performance happens and I'm just kind of like dying.
1: Wait, no, so you were friends at this point and you were sitting next to her mom.
2: Sorry, right, yeah. yeah. I had to
1: i'm dead that's amazing that's like that's true commitment i feel like you must have known at that point him seeing you at the vagina monologues was was it
0: was uh no I, know?
1: Nope. <laughs> i'll tell you what
0: i didn't what i What's knew you, i knew that i respected him too much to date him and i wow. i knew that there was a lot of a lot of the people that i was seeing were very transient in my life i don't know if that's right mm-hmm. But they didn't stay in my life very long. And I had a lot of respect for Frank and really wanted him to be in my life forever. And I didn't connect that with, well, he should be your partner. So I, I, I also had to have a lot of experiences in relationships and grow up quite mm-hmm. a bit in mm-hmm. the last 10 years. So we.
2: Same, honestly. <laughs> I think uh, I'm underdeveloped like a, a oh my raw goodness. potato. <laughs> yeah. A, a, a
1: potato. Wow. I don't know if I've heard that before, but I feel like that kind of describes. Is that not Yeah. So much. I, I, I like it. I'm going to use it now. So. <laughs> So perfect. I feel like it really is important to build that friendship before you start really dating, and it's it's kind of nice that you both waited to be in a good place to, to yeah. get to that point. And uh, very similar to me. So the friend that I'm dating now, um, he actually went to my performance of the, the Vagina Monologues, and oh by himself. He went <laughs> himself, and I was like, man, all right, maybe. Um, I think I might go for that.
2: There may be some potential here.
1: Oh yes. yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's com- that- he's committed. Yes. <laughs>
2: commitment for sure for sure <laughs>
1: that's also just a
0: level of openness that he has I, that shows a lot too i think with frank was showing that too is that he was frank is very open to his feminine side too mm-hmm. and also open to just kind of not having regular gender roles in our relationship either yeah. Yeah. I think
1: so. that's the best part about being queer is that like it's kind of even though you're in a straight passing relationship you both are kind of defying those hetero um, ideals which is a very powerful thing so Thank yeah. You. Absolutely. yeah
2: it's great
1: it's important too I yeah.
2: think we think it's funny when like people text like we were doing some work with uh, <laughs> yeah we're doing some work uh, for our landlord uh, with managing and they were like, "Hey, when, when Frank goes to the hardware store, or like maybe Frank has this in his toolkit." They were talking about like tools.
0: I have the toolkit. Lee
2: has a toolkit. <laughs> handy one. Stuff. I can't do it's anything. Very offensive. I that's write. For them. That's
1: <laughs> no, same. I'm not. I'm not handy. I, I feel you on that one. Oh. It's just yeah. So completely. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah,
2: yeah. Lee, Lee's the badass I, one. Huh? I
0: love it. I love to have toolkit. Frank is the one, Frank brings a lot of color and a lot of, I feel like, flair, flair (laughs) to the relationship. I always feel like we, it's kind of like in a coloring book, I draw the lines and Frank colors it in and just makes it, colors my world. Which sounds, I don't know, really corny, but it's really- You guys
1: are so cute. I keep saying you guys, I feel like I should say folks or like not y'all or- (laughs) But you both are so cute. <laughs> you
2: don't really care. Yeah. We're here for it. We're, we're here. I've
1: okay. got to do better. I don't want to get canceled. So <laughs> But we've been together 3 years. We're
2: planning
0: yep.
1: our wedding now. Oh, yep. congratulations.
0: Thank we're you. Excited. You're yeah. We we got together. I lived in California for a while with a man who was in the military who will not be named. And it was a very traditional relationship, a very controlling, emotionally abusive relationship. But I mm-hmm. came back to California and Frank drove with me in my car for five days across the country. Yeah.
2: I had also recently gotten out of a relationship.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. You uh, were destined to, to be well, together.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we, we just kind of commiserated in the car. We had <laughs> a
0: long time to talk. We didn't listen to music. We didn't listen to
1: books. We listened yeah. to a little Harry Potter.
2: We did listen to a touch mm-hmm. of Harry Potter. Just a Potter.
1: little bit. And then talked okay.
2: a. The voiceover was a little much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So you listen to the soundtrack of Harry Potter, or like just the no audiobook? That- okay.
2: The Philosopher's Stone, or whatever the first one is. Yeah. Because and- I
1: was going to say, if you're listening to the soundtrack, that's like a that's a vibe. That's a. <laughs> oh, you
2: no, know, that would have been a vibe. Yeah. No, I'm- <laughs> that. No, this was the the voiceover guy that's like a little too into it, and it's like, mm. oh Harry, like yeah.
0: You're that's just like
2: exactly walking wow, by, and it's just like, oh. Uh.
0: It was very romantic, apparently.
2: <laughs> it was a magical ride, but maybe not like Hogwarts magical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, that's amazing! So, um, I w- was there. Something significant that made you go like, oh, "We've got to be together." Is it just
0: we it just had happened, had a actually?
1: conversation a few
0: weeks prior where I was sort of getting ready to leave this relationship. Mm-hmm very quickly and to make sure that I was safe. And Frank had said that he would like to come and, and drive across country with me. But yeah. we also had a conversation about, I, I told Frank, if, if there was anyone else, like anyone in the world I was going to be with, I, it would be him. And we hadn't ever had this conversation before. We never held hands or yeah. anything. And then- on So the I trip, checked my
2: JetBlue balance like immediately <laughs> to see how many like points I had. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: no i think though that we also were Gross. sort of like well we're both getting out of relationships like we are not gonna date like right away right. especially mm-hmm. if because i kind of feel the same way about you but like we can't do this
0: we need time i think we needed time to
2: heal we time to heal
1: oh sure we didn't give it
2: we didn't end up doing that
1: oh okay i was gonna say I was <laughs> a That's, I'm, I'm impressed <laughs> Because I, uh, I feel like once you admit the feelings, it's like you're, it's just, there it is. It's, yeah. yeah. It's going to move fast. It was, all there. it was. And it was, yeah,
0: it was great. It was
1: great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy for you. Congratulations on planning the wedding. <laughs> I hope you're uh, able to find uh, ways to make your wedding feel by as well. We I don't know what that to... would be. Think about that. It's an interesting topic, too, because I'm
0: I'm not out to my... Fam- my family some of my immediate family certainly not my extended family and frank it's important it's important to frank to kind of bring that into the wedding so we're, we're talking about ways to do that and that's not for another year and a half and yeah. i'm sort of on this journey to we're coming de- out
2: yeah i think we're definitely finding with wedding planning and everything it's a very gendered world oh. how everything's <laughs> marketed to you like the traditions um the responsibilities too, like they they when you like sign up for consultations, they'll want to set it up with a bride because they assume that she's like the lead organizer or something. And that mm-hmm. her opinion, yeah, right. It's very,
1: it's such a gendered world of wedding planning. It's, it's really so it's so culty too. I it just I feel so strange, but I feel like maybe it's an opportunity for you to again defy those uh, relationship norms and kind of do something that's true to you. So we've
0: been trying to do that, and it's. Yeah. Trying to throw some of those traditions out because they are very, they're, they're rooted in
2: patriarchal tradition. For sure.
0: And it's, they're just kind of weird. (laughs) Like we've only heard groomsmen and bridesmaids and we have men and women on each side. And even, you know, with our, our friends and family are like, well, how are you going to split the men and women up? And it's kind of like, well, why do
1: you need to split yeah, them up? Why do you have to? That's one thing I th- always yeah. thought was weird. Is like, why can't you have all of your friends be in your wedding party and not just like your female or male friends? Right. Yeah. It's kind of strange. You just don't, Harry Potter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just not one.
1: I'm sorry, but I need to know. Do you identify in a Harry Potter house? <laughs> it's important. I've got to know what you're.
2: Man. <laughs> Oh, man.
1: I feel like the hat would put
0: me in Ravenclaw, but Hufflepuff sounds so fun. Gryffindor sounds boring. It
2: does sound boring. Yeah. We're not, I'm not sure. very
1: brave. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah.
2: I, I always thought probably Ravenclaw. Um, mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Hufflepuff
0: has the nice people in it. Mm-hmm. Although we'd probably date Slytherins. They seem oh. like they seem like fun.
2: <laughs> to, to let Slytherin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice, love it. I, yeah. <laughs> How about you? Um, so I same as Yuli that I've, I I uh, always thought I would be Ravenclaw, but I'm like my friend was like you're such a Hufflepuff, and like this this whole conversation is such a millennial conversation.
2: <laughs> off the rails. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we're really deep diving into some niche discussions, but yes, right. I, I I would identify as a Hufflepuff. Um, I'm definitely yeah. a people pleaser, unfortunately, so I feel like that's like a Hufflepuff way to live, but. Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) (laughs) but I do want to do a little quick shift and talk a little bit more about um, (laughs) as much as I'd love to talk about Harry Potter but um Frank you were telling me a little bit about like what you're doing at work and so you work for the state senate which is really cool I would love to learn more because you were talking about how you like kind of work in the mental health field in a way so you're part of the committee or you work for the committee there so I'd love to talk a little bit about um you know mental health challenges for queer people and kind of how you've learned about that in your job.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um so I work for State Senator Summer Brooke. Senator Brook is the chair of the Senate Mental Health Committee and as a result a lot of our legislation is focused on mental health and I think it's something that I was aware of when I took the job but um cuz we we all hear about it I think but mm-hmm. the numbers are pretty staggering. Um mm-hmm. if you're uh LGB for example, you're <laughs> uh you're twice as likely to experience a mental health condition, um, and if you're transgender, that goes up to four times as likely. And I think that sort of the recurring theme here, when we look at the the at-risk populations, at-risk groups, you're you're looking at queer people, you're looking at Black people, you're looking mm-hmm. at Hispanic people, and these are people that experience oppression uh, or you know racism, uh, different things. And I think another part of that is the mental health care system is one that has been under in mm-hmm. for a decade. It's a system that is predominantly white, predominantly straight. So right. it's hard to find, even like if you go and look for a therapist, it's hard to find someone that necessarily speaks to your experience, who understands some of the things you're going through. I know that like, I remember seeing all sorts of ads. The ads were great at targeting me for, for prep, for example, Um, so I, uh, in case you don't know what that is and you're listening, it's pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's the HIV prevention medication. I had been targeted accurately. Uh, I was young. I was bi. Uh, I was having sex with, with men. I was a candidate for PrEP, but when I went to talk to my doctor about it, he had no idea what it was. Uh, and this also sort of ties to mental health where I remember I've had experiences talking to a provider where I'd sort of talked to them about this like biphobic experience I'd had. And they were sort of like, well, are you gay? Like, (laughs) have you Uh thought about that? Like that was something like we had to explore and I had to be like, no, I'm pretty certain. I'm, you know, in my thirties, I've explored a bit, (laughs) been around the block, but, uh, you know, it, it's a challenge. So I think one thing that the Senator is working on is, um, One, we have to make sure that we're investing in mental health properly. Um, Two, when we build infrastructure and when we look at our existing infrastructure for mental health, we have to make sure that it's competent, that um, we're speaking to people um, of different backgrounds. And especially if you're an at-risk background, we have to be able to reach people. And when we do reach them, provide them with the care that they actually need. And so that's sort of the work that we're we're doing in the mental health committee. I'm just communications. Uh, I, I do press and stuff with that. Um, so I play a very small role, but I really admire the senator and the work that she's been able to do. And just one term, this is her first term, she's running for re-election. Um, I don't know if this is going to air before election day, but...
1: It will not, So, but, but <laughs> everyone should always vote. <laughs> I
2: was <Yeah>. <laughs> Hope I still have a job. Uh, no, it's... Uh, I feel when, like you got we... really
1: serious for a second.
2: <laughs> I know, so sorry. No, uh, I,
1: I asked you the question, so I brought it there.
2: Yeah. One of the things I'm working on at work is um, trying to unionize our, our, our workers, um, our fellow Senate staff. Um, we're often working long hours. Wages are, of course, an issue, you know, across, across mm-hmm. the economy. People are getting squeezed right now with inflation, with rising costs, all of this. both queer people specifically, we're sort of seeing, I think, the last six months for all of us was kind of a wake up call with with the Dobbs decision and with abortion rights being under attack and with the Supreme Court sort of showing that they're willing to go after and reverse rights that have been in the books for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and what we're seeing is that the federal government, we really can't rely on them anymore to protect us. So that's really why we need to sort of uh, turn our attention to state government. But should state government fail, we need a union. Um, Mm -hmm. wherever you work, especially if you're a queer person, um, to make sure that they can't discriminate based on your status, to make Mm -hmm. sure that uh, your trans co-workers have the same rights as anyone else. Because we're seeing that your rights are subject to the whims of the Supreme Court, and their track record's a little scary right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. How would you say that people can support the, those politicians who are working toward making, you know, mental health care and those things more accessible and protecting the, the rights of queer people and just people in general in the workplace, like what are something that, you know, everyone can do to to help?
2: For sure. I, you know, elections are helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically primary elections. I think that often people pay attention for the Democrat versus Republican showdown, but yeah. um, you want to make sure that no matter what party you're on, you're electing the right Republican or the right Democrat. You know, I I obviously work for a Democrat. I'm always going to advocate that you vote for someone on the left side of the spectrum. Of course. But, uh, you know, this is a
1: very liberal podcast, so
2: right. Yeah, but there I mean, there is a difference between like I think the easiest analog is presidential politics, where where um, you had Hillary Clinton, for example, who kind of had a checkered record on gay rights who voted against federal gay marriage laws and you know primary elections are a great way to sort of check and see what is their track record what do they want to do who is this person really that was something that really drew me when i was i was looking for a job a couple years ago and uh i looked at senator brooks record i looked at what she was saying on the campaign trail i looked at uh Literally I went on Spotify and looked at podcasts that she did and I just listened to what she said and she was really passionate and she still is. Um, but about queer rights, about climate change, things that I cared about, making sure that people of all walks of life can can get ahead and have the resources that they need. So that that's why I even applied for the job and pursued it. Um, I think that being really intentional, if you're gonna give your efforts and, and labor to a politician. Yeah. Um make sure that they represent you.
1: <laughs> no, that's and, a good uh, point.
2: Yeah. And lastly, I do advocate looking into unionizing your workplace because I am sincere that I I don't believe that the federal government will protect your rights as a queer person and that we really need to take this into our own hands.
1: That's that's a really really good point. It's something I think not a lot of people think about. I mean, you know, I work in at an advertising agency. We don't unionize that. You know, I I always thought that legislative workers had a union I, I didn't even realize that wasn't a thing so it's it's so important my friend's a teacher and she's unionized and hearing about how she it's very transparent about the you know salary that they get their benefits um, how they move up in their fields and the protections they get and you know they have somebody who is advocating for them because at the end of the day HR is not advocating for you they're advocating for the company so it's I feel like you're right in that union is really the only true protection. Mm-hmm. How, how can it, someone start to unionize? What does that process look like?
2: It depends on your employer. I know for us, because we're public sector, it goes to the National Labor Relations Board. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a separate labor relations board that does private industry. I would get on the internet. And uh, if, you're, if you're listening and interested, do a little digging. But mm-hmm. um, generally involves talking to your coworkers, making sure there's a consensus. You don't want to take any risks before uh, you know that your your work family is behind you, but yeah. if you've got the numbers, there's protection in numbers.
1: Definitely, great. Well, we um, have hit a time, but I've had such a fun time yeah. talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you both for a really long time. It, this has been really fun. So,
2: thank let's you. do that. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> I'm always looking for more queer by friends. So. <laughs> So yeah, um, is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, Do you want people to follow you on social media?
2: You know what? I'm going to plug the Bisexual Behavior Podcast. Oh. It's um. (laughs) (laughs) Please do. No, but I do think that this is a really valuable resource for um, baby gays, for example. People, you know, people Mm -hmm. who are just coming out. um, I think it's a valuable resource for people like us who have been out um, to hear that. Other people are going through the same stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I wish that this were around when I first came out and when I first was sort of like wrestling with um, my identity. And I just really commend you for creating this platform. Um, oh my gosh,
1: thank you so much. And having these
2: conversations. And
1: no, it just really means a lot. Me. It,
2: it well, means a lot to me personally um, to be a part of this, this journey and this story. So thank you.
1: Well, it means a lot to me that you both were willing to come and talk to me and, you know, be a part of this community. I, again, the biggest goal that I have with this podcast is to create a bi community. And it just is, feels so good to have two other bisexuals that I can reach out to and talk to and, you know, have this conversation with. So thank you both so much. It's been such a pleasure.
0: This has been so nice. I think this is more that we've talked more about our bisexuality and our relationship than with most people. This is, besides yeah. therapy, this, yeah. is, <laughs> this is more <laughs> talking about it than we ever get to. And this this was really nice. Yeah, I guess if I were to plug anything, I would plug, if you're able to find resources to seek therapy, Frank and I are in couples therapy. We each have our own therapists. Um, we're really lucky to be able to do that. But being in a bisexual relationship or being bisexual in a heterosexual relationship, that's something that is really helping us. But not all therapists are equipped to deal with that. We found some that are really not, we're not equipped to deal with our relationship and had to find ones kind of specific to us, which is difficult. It was yeah. really difficult to find someone. But it definitely helps with these feelings, or if you can't find find a friend, someone someone is willing to listen. There are people out there like us that are going through the same things. And hearing your experience, Talia, is so validating. Oh oh my my gosh, sharing your
1: experience is so validating
0: <laughs> it's just really it's so amazing to have this space and frank was yeah. saying like I wish we had this space you know 10 years ago or something yeah. and just really thankful that there's this space now for us and also for young people that are just can be more comfortable coming out hopefully in in mm-hmm. some places it seems like generally we're kind of moving towards that not everywhere is like that
1: yeah, I Thank feel like you. people are coming out younger and younger and it's I'm so happy for them, but I'm also very jealous. Yes, I know. <laughs> Definitely a topic worth exploring. I get
0: it.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll say bye. Yes. But not very well.
1: Yes. <laughs> bye for now. <laughs> Thank you guys. All right. Thank you. Ah, thank you so much to Frank and Lee. That was such a fun conversation. Um, I'm really hoping that you all enjoyed it and have a different perspective on, you know, what different couples can look like. As always, you can further the buy agenda by listening, sharing, rating, and reviewing, and subscribing um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on at bisexualbehavior on Instagram, and if you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram at talia.tatiana, so you can follow me there as well. If you have any questions, you're interested in being interviewed, or, you know, you just want to chat it out, you can email me at bisexualbehaviorpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and supporting We'll see you in another month. And uh, make sure you listen to the new SZA album if you haven't. SOS is a dream. 10 out of 10. Haven't listened to anything else other than that album. So your homework is to listen to SZA. Okay, bye.